something that I think we've all been affected by in the last couple of months, really thinking or wondering how it is that we uh, navigate these times uh, with a lot of uncertainty and things changing so fast. It seems like we're all in the same boat and in the same predicament. And it's one thing to choose what you're gonna go through, it's another thing when it chooses you. Eugene Peterson, who writes the message, he writes a forward to this church. And what struck me in this forward was something he said that picked up my attention. When I looked at this church, I realized that they too were facing the same predicament we've been facing. Eugene, in, in, in introducing this uh, book, he writes this, he says, the way we conceive the future sculpts the present, gives contour and tone to nearly every action and thought through the day. If our sense of future is weak, we live listlessly. That sort of drew my attention. You know, if, if the future becomes a bit blurred, what happens is we, we live with a sense of apathy. We, I don't know, and uh, it sort of struck me. I, I, I wonder what it looks like uh, to live listlessly, and more importantly, I wonder what it looks like to overcome that. So I love it how Paul, he speaks in, the book of Thessalonians, he speaks to the church and he reminds them of this, we are sons of the light and daughters of the day. And uh, he reminds us that we are not sleeping, we are fully awake. In other words, we are not listless, we are fully alive. It's just a, a reminder and he actually, he associates that with a, a concept that we know, it's called hope. And, uh, and he writes this letter to build hope in their lives. And I think sometimes the challenge is we think that hope is a, is a concept to ex be expressed, but rather Paul says no hope is a practice to be experienced. And uh, what, if, what if we can build hope? What if we can cultivate hope? What if, what if there are simple ways in which you and I can build our hope? I think, especially at this time, that we are not those who have fallen asleep, but we are those who are fully awake. Well, good morning and uh, good to have you with us. And I uh, just love that thought and just uh, really sensing that this morning, I, you know, I heard this and I was reminded of this this week, that um, the Jewish people, when they went to worship in Jerusalem, they would enter in the East Gate and then they would go to the temple and they would encounter God and they would leave in the West Gate. And uh, I really believe that this morning, what I love about that, that thought is that, they that the way they went in wasn't the way they left that I really believe that this morning as we encounter God and His Word, that as we arrive, we wouldn't leave the same because that's what hope signifies for me because hope more than a principle is a name and His name is Jesus. And Jesus in a moment can transform us, He can move us, He can shift something. And I really believe in the context of where we find ourselves today that God's Word can do something powerful. Amen? Amen. If you believe that this morning, please, why don't you take a moment to say amen and amen because hope is more than just a principle. His name is Jesus and He can change us. If He's changed me, He can change us even in these uncertain times. And so today I'm excited about this because we're starting this new series and it's almost a tagline. It goes like this, you know, hold on, I've still got hope. Hold on. You know, I'm not quite sure where my children are gonna go back to school or not. Hold on, I still got hope. I'm not quite sure what 2021 is gonna look like. Hold on, and you need to say it with me, I still got hope. 
I still got hope. You know, someone said it like this. He said, you know, you can go a week without food. You can go a couple of days without water. You can go a couple of minutes without air, but you can't go a second without hope. That is why hope is so important for us. That is why it's not just about a preferable future because if we truly understand hope, hope is a better future, but it transforms my present. And that means that today, God is here right now. He's in your living room. He's where you are right now. Everything that is happening around you, God has ordained. He's in this moment and He wants to speak to you. He wants to remind you as the church that He loves you and He knows you and He has a future for you. And in spite of what you cannot see, He is very present with you and He can do something today. Amen? Amen. And uh, I wanna go uh, to a scripture today. It's in 1 Thessalonians. And I was saying that in that video, it's a, it's, a, it's a book that Paul wrote to a church. And this church were a bit like going through what we're going right now. You know, they'd, they'd almost in a sense fallen asleep. And um, I don't know about you, but uh, in these times, I've had moments in the last couple of weeks and months where actually my dream world has better, been better than my real world. To be honest, uh, gone to sleep at night saying, God, uh, actually, I'd prefer to fall asleep and uh, actually hope I wake up and, um, uh, you know, things have changed. I don't know whether you, that's happened to you recently. Um, I, I've fallen asleep hoping that it's 2021 and it's back where it was. And uh, just being open and honest, I think there are moments like this where we can't navigate the future and we're almost going, God, please, my, just put me in dream world. And uh, the challenge with that, though, is that it absolves us from reality. And God is so kind. He says, no, I'm very here. I'm in your presence. And I think this church, the, this church in Thessalonians, they'd fallen asleep. They'd almost like they wanted to drift out. They wanted to pull back. They wanted to escape. But God said, no, no, no. Paul says, no, don't escape and counter me. Because when you encounter me, it can change. We, you and I, can find hope again. And I'm excited because I think over the next five weeks, God is gonna reveal himself to us in a special way and remind us of this concept. You know, we talk a lot about faith and love. What about hope? Faith, you know, we go faith, 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 and then we say love, 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 and Jesus spoke about, but what about hope? Hope seems like it was the third child that got forgotten. And we think hope is this, I don't know about you, but it's psychological, it's a concept over there. But what if it was something powerful inside you? And so the question I wanna put before you before we start this, I'm gonna read it. And then I wanna speak a little bit about this concept. I wanna set up this series, but what if, what if hope is not a principle to be expressed, but rather a practice to be experienced? What if hope is not something, a concept to be downloaded, it's a practice to be developed in your life? What if hope is that? Let's read together 1 Thessalonians chapter five, and it's written, Eugene Peterson writes it in the message and it puts it in a nice language and I wanna write it to you and it says, and start at verse four, we're gonna read it together. It says, but friends, you are not in the dark. So how could you be taken off guard by any of this? What's any of this? They were, they were, they were a bit rattled. They, they, their faith was fading. They felt a bit shaky. Circumstances had changed and they were questioning, you know, is Jesus coming back? Is there hope coming? We're out here in the diaspora. One at Thessalonia church was, they call it the diaspora. They were scattered because of persecution. And they were in this place and they felt alone and no one had written to them that, that God had done something in them, but they felt alone in their city. And Paul writes, he says, you're not alone. You're not in the dark where you think you might be. 
And he says this, and I love this. He says, you are sons of light, daughters of the day. God did it to Jesus. Jesus did it to his disciples. Paul does it to us at the church. He reminds us of our identity straight up. You are a son of light. You are a daughter of the day. And he says, we live under wide open skies and know where we stand. Know where we stand. I think this series is gonna be a moment to remind ourselves of where you and I stand. I grew up as a, we were on the farm and my parents bought a trading store and uh, we used to love it as children. You know, trading stores, you eat all the chappies. But in a trading store, you know, you get everything from a toilet seat to a matchbox to bully beef to cement. You get anything in a trading store. And I loved it because it was on the perimeter of our farm and it was the hub of community. You got to know the different characters and mchegas and baba and all these. We used to love it. And boys, we get dirty. You know, it's like you just run around the trading store. You know that distinct smell of paraffin? All over the trading store. And we used to go there. But what saddened us was once every month for a whole day, it shut down. And we're like, Dad, why is it shut down? Everyone be rusting around with pencils on their ears and counting stuff furiously and getting, Dad, what happens on that day? Dad said, we're taking stock. We're doing stock take. And I love what my father said to me. I said, but why, Dad? He said, you know why? We're taking stock of what we have and what we need more of. And I think sometimes in life, we have a negative connotation to what taking stock is. We think taking stock is reminding ourselves of what we don't have. But whenever God says to know where you stand, He wants to remind you of what you do have and what you need more of. Come on now, I don't know about you, but I think that God wants to take a moment to remind us of the hope that we do have and what we need more of. I feel like sometimes we're looking at back and going, this is what I don't have. And he's got that gift. And this guy, that family's got this. And this guy's got that. And look how God touched you. And he didn't touch me. But God wants to remind you, it's not about what you don't have. It's what you do have and what you have access to more of. Okay, I don't know about you, but I'm getting excited. Know where you stand. That might be the most powerful thing God says to you today. Know where you stand. And God says, you know, it's not about what you feel like. It's what you know. There's been times I'm sitting in front of my Bible, I'm reading, I'm God, God, I don't feel strong today. I don't feel like being that husband. I, I don't feel like being that pastor. I, I, I don't feel like it, God. I don't feel like I'm getting stronger. And he just whispered into my ear, he says, it's not about feeling stronger, it's about what you know. And every time you help somebody else and every time you pray and every time you open that Bible and every time you lean in this morning to watch church and every time you worship, you know what you're doing? You're getting stronger. You are getting stronger. God wants to remind you today, you are getting stronger. You might not feel like it, but I wanna tell you, friends, spiritual maturity is not about how you feel. It's about who you know, who you know. Know where you stand. Let's keep reading. And he says, so let's not sleepwalk through life like those others. Let's keep our eyes open and be smart, be wise. People sleep at night and get drunk at night, but not us. Since we are creatures of day, let's act like it. Walk out into the daylight sober, dressed up in faith, love, and the hope of our salvation. There's that word, hope. God didn't set us up for an angry rejection, but for salvation by our master, Jesus Christ. God didn't come to scare you, he's come to prepare you. He's come to prepare you. He died for us, a death that triggered life. Whether we're awake with the living or asleep with the dead, we're alive with Him. So speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope. 
So you're all together in this. No one left out. No one left behind. God doesn't want to leave anyone behind. No one behind. I know you're already doing this. Just keep on doing it. Just keep on doing it. No one left behind. Paul says, I want you to build up hope. Today, the title of my message, if you're taking notes, write this down. It's called Reframing Hope. Reframing Hope. In the 1940s, there was an uh, art critic named Robert Cumming. He was standing in London's art museum and he was looking at a painting by a famous Italian painter by the name of Filippino Lippi. And he looked, it was a painting of Mary holding Jesus with two saints. And he stood there and he was puzzled by the painting. For centuries, it was, it, was, it was painted in the 15th centuries. It had hung for three centuries in the London Gallery Museum. And he wasn't the only one who was puzzled by it. For centuries, people had walked past it and gone, what was this guy thinking? You couldn't doubt its color and its composition, but proportionally, it didn't make sense. The background disappeared. It felt like the saints were falling over Mary. And Robert Cumming was puzzled by this as he stood and looked at it. But then suddenly he had a revelation. The problem wasn't with the artist or with the painting. The problem with was, was him. And with that, he fell to his knees. And as he fell to his knees, suddenly the painting came into proportion. Suddenly the background came into the foreground and the saints stood up against it. Suddenly he saw its beauty like he'd never seen it before. And he thought to himself, you know, Lippi, he designed this painting not for an art museum, but he designed it for a place of prayer. It was always meant to be looked at on his knees. And I thought to myself, maybe, just maybe, the concept of hope, there's never been anything wrong with it. There's never been wrong with the artist that has made hope. Maybe it lies in the eyes of the beholder. Maybe we've never seen it like that before. In this series, I wanna encourage you, let's get on our knees and look up because when we do that, it'll reframe hope like never before. How do we reframe hope? I wanna talk about two things today. Firstly, the reality of hope. And then secondly, how we fill it up, how we refill hope. Because Paul said, I want you to build up hope. How do, we, how do we face the reality of what hope is and then how do we build it up? Firstly, the reality of hope. Now, hope is a word we use quite a lot in our English sentences, don't we? You know, I hope you have a cracker birthday. I hope she likes me. Okay. Um, I, hope, I, hope I, get, I hope I get through to next year. Um, I hope my children actually get through online school this year. <laughs> Any parents out there going, amen, help us, Jesus. Um, I hope, I hope. We use that word so, so flippantly. And sometimes we think hope is, uh, you know, I think even songs are sung about hope, you know. Give me hope, Joanna, give me hope, Joanna, give me hope, Joanna, till the morning comes. Give me hope, Joanna. Come on, sing with me. Give me hope. Joanna, yeah, 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 yeah. Eddie Grant from 1987, Baby Boomers, you'll love that. I mean, give me hope. Do you know who Joanna was? Joanna was Johannesburg. Give me hope, Johannesburg. It was written against apartheid. But I wanna tell you, you know what I love about it? We use hope in everything, hope all over the place. But I'll tell you what hope, see, in order to describe the reality of hope, we need to know what it isn't. Hope isn't optimism. You know, optimism is like, hey, you know what, it's gonna be fine. We're gonna do fine, you know, it's gonna be hundreds, we're gonna get past, no, it's no problem. We're not optimism, optimism. The challenge with optimism is it doesn't face reality. It's like taking some skim milk and going, mm, this is gonna become cream over my apple crumble. 
It's just not gonna happen. It's skim milk. It's like having water in a glass and going, oh, it's gonna be the best Coke I've ever tasted. You see, it denies, you can't change the world with optimism. Optimism only works over things you can control. And I think sometimes we think hope is optimism. But you know what? The Bible gives us some understanding what real hope is. And the first hope it talks about is wishful hope. You know, wishful hope is, uh, you know, I hope, I hope I get there, I hope I make it. Let me give you an example of wishful hope because we use this all the time. It's like if you're late for a meeting and you're like, please hope, I hope just all the robots turn green. That's wishful thinking. Or you buy a ticket for the lottery. And, and, you're like, and I hope I win the lottery. You know, you know the statistics tell us that um, you've got more chance of flying to the moon than which, winning the lottery. Statistics tell us you've got more chance of being struck by lightning than winning the lottery. You know what that is? That's wishful hope. And we so often do that. We use that word. It's just, it's hope. It's, 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 it's a surface level hope. And then we get an expectant hope. An expectant hope is like, if I put cabbage seed in the ground, I'm gonna expect to see cabbages. But how many know that no, no, those cabbages don't normally grow? Sometimes you might get hail, disease hits it. It's an expectant hope. We expect to see something happen, but we know that sometimes it doesn't. We know that when ladies fall pregnant, we say they're expectant. But we know, and even us as a family, we know what a miscarriage is like. It, suddenly it, it, it doesn't come to be, and that's expectant hope. That's just the, that's another level of hope. But I wanna tell you about a real hope that comes from the Bible. I wanna talk about a certain hope. And it says this in Hebrews 6, it says that we have the certain hope, a hope that saves us, a hope that is strong and trustworthy, a hope that is an anchor for our souls. You see what it said there? Strong. That means it's, it's sufficient. That means it's dependable. It says trustworthy. That means you can count on it. This is the hope that God talks about. It, means, it says anchor. Oh, I love that metaphorical language, anchors. All the fishermen are getting excited now. Oh, anchor. It's the first time I've been involved. Thank you. No, anchor. You know an anchor? An anchor, when you think of an anchor, I'm not a fisherman, but an anchor, two things an anchor that stops you drifting and it keeps you stable in a storm. That is why you and I need to understand what hope is. Because we need two things in our lives, stop us drifting and keep us stable in a storm. Hope. Bible says, and it reminds us, hope is not about what you wish for. It's based on God's word. Business, success, even wisdom. Pale into significance of what anchors you. You know what anchors you? It's hope. Real hope from God. You know, it's interesting, uh, Jim Collins wrote a book, Good to Great, and he went and studied, he asked Holocaust survivors, he said, he asked them, he said, what was the thing that made them survive? What was the key ingredient? And this guy said, thank you for the answer, one of the survivors, thank you for asking me that question. But let me tell you what happened first. He said, within three weeks, all the optimists had died. A week later, all the pessimists had died. It's funny how the optimists went first, and then the pessimists. And he said, you know who survived? It was the people that were called hope realists. In other words, they didn't absolve themselves from reality. Yes, reality, it's dark around us. Yes, it might be dark around us, but hold on, I still got hope. You know what real hope looks like? Yes, it sucks. Yes, it's not looking good. Yes, things aren't right, but I believe God's coming through for me. 
but I believe that I'm a son of the light, but I believe I'm the daughter of the day, but I believe that God is for me, that I believe that He loves me, that I believe He pours His mercy over me, but I believe he, my past is forgiven. You see, hope might not be able to change my broken past, but it can shape my better future. It can shape a better future. So you look at me and you say, well, if that's the reality of hope, then how do I get it? Good question. How do we get it? Because I think sometimes it's the psychological thing. I think I felt like for me, it was like hope is over there and I just can't grab it. It doesn't have a substance, but I wanna put substance to hope and that's what we're gonna do over the next five weeks. And I'm starting now because Paul goes on to write, I wanna read this, verse 16. He, he almost does this, he gives some final remarks. He says, this is how you build up hope. He mentioned it, but this is how you do it. And I thought to myself, wow, you know what he's doing? He's putting a handle on hope. He's giving us what hope behaves like. That beautiful? I thought about, you know, we know the belief of hope, but what does hope behave like? If I just knew what it behaves like, then maybe I could do it. Amen. And so you know what he does? He writes, and I want to, he does actually five or six things. We do five weeks or the next five weeks, he gives us five handles, but he has he has just one I want to and I'll read this. Verse 16, it says, he uh, one Thessalonians, he says, Be a cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. Be cheerful no matter what, pray all the time, thank God no matter what happens. I wanna pick one today because I think it's important that we understand this. You know why? Because, you know, often in life we, we sense, like I said, uh, 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 um, hope has to do with belief, but what does it look like to behave? And the thought of, you know, we like principles, don't we? But practice, angege baba. We don't like practice, we like, we like principles. It's like somebody asked me the other day, what have you learned during lockdown? I'm like, I can tell you all the principles. But the bigger question and the better question is, what have you applied? So, you know, like the great question would be like, you know, what have you stopped doing and what have you started doing? Because I think that's where we get stuck. But Paul says, listen, you can believe it, but this is how you build it. And I wanna give you some practices to do. The first thing I wanna speak about today and the only thing I wanna mention today, one thing, the practice of prayer. Now, when I mention prayer, many of the Christians, and if, you, if you're new to church and you're not a Christian, well, that's great. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna lean in because for Christians, sometimes prayer is like, oh, no, Papa. <laughs> now, we've heard about prayer. You know, we're like, oh, prayer. And, and actually, we realize like, actually, oof, uh, you know, prayer is like, oh, I'm not quite sure it works. I tried it, didn't. You know, what is prayer? And I wanna talk about why prayer is important, not just what it is, why it's important for you. Why prayer can change your world. What if the prayers you prayed could change your future? Paul says, this is how you're gonna build up hope. When you practice prayer. If you're taking notes, nice and simple. Point number one, if you're taking notes about prayer. Number one, God doesn't invade your life. You need to invite Him in. God doesn't invade your life. He's not like the mist that comes over Hillcrest at two o'clock every afternoon. He doesn't just do that. He doesn't just appear like, oh, I'm here. I'm here. He desires us. God is a gentleman. He desires us to invite him in. I love the scripture in Revelation 3 verse 20. It's written to the church, not to an unbeliever, to the church. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man lets me in, I will come in and eat with you. Jesus is standing at the door of your life and he's just knocking. He's like, coo, 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 coo. I'm here. Would you let me in? Sometimes we think God's just gonna come in. No, 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 no. We're gonna invite him in. That's why prayer is so powerful. You know who you're inviting him? You're inviting in the ancient of days, the Father. You're inviting in the one who's the Father of creation. You are inviting in the source of heaven. You're inviting in someone so powerful. 
invite him in. You know what I love Jesus? He was a carpenter. And there's significance to that. You know why? Because when he comes in, he's gonna build something so beautiful in your life you never comprehended. He'll change your little cottage into a mansion if you just allow him. But this is what I do sometimes. Hey, cool, cool, cool. And you're like, hey, wait, hold on. I'm just busy at the moment. I got children I gotta try and sort out. And I got this thing to sort out here. And I'm running this business. Hey, oh, inconvenient knock. Not now, Jesus. Come back. And Jesus comes back and knocks. And he goes, I sense a bit of anxiety. I hear tears in this home. I'd love to come in. You wanna invite him in today? He doesn't invade your world. Love is a choice. He comes in. You see this phone over here? This is an iPhone. There we go. And you know, if you've got an Android, we'll pray for you off the service. But anyway, no, no, joking. Here's an iPhone. And you know, you see this phone, it has a lot of potential and power. This phone can access the world. I spoke to someone in North Dakota yesterday. It can do anything. It has so much power. There's some power there, right on this phone. But I wanna tell you, this phone, its power is only dependent upon the, the power source it's connected to. This phone is a paperweight without the power source. This, this phone can't achieve anything without the power connection, without the power source in our lives. Let me ask you a question. How often do you charge your phone? Daily. There's some people that walk around with batteries to keep their phone connected because they realize the importance of it. Now I wanna ask you, friends, what is that with prayer? We have an opportunity daily to invite the King of glory in. An opportunity daily to invite Him into our lives. You see, God doesn't wanna invade your life. He wants you to invite Him in. Because when you are connected with the power source, it'll change your life forever. That's how good Jesus is. The second one is this. He doesn't invade, we invite Him in. The second one this is that we can, we can communicate with God. We can communicate with Him. Now, I don't know about you, but I think communication is about talking, you know, what I have to say. I, I think we live in a drive-through, you know, it's drive-through, it's like, hey, Lord, Lord, this is what I'm thinking, why don't you help me here? And then we're like, oh, we, on the run, we pray. But you know what we're doing? We're talking. But communication isn't just talking, it's two-way. It's not just a monologue, it's a dialogue. It was more, it's, it's made for conversation. It's not just talking, it's listening. It's saying, God, I'm listening to you. I desire your voice in my life. I'm leaning into you. You see, when you build this into your life, when you realize that it's not about a monologue, what I have to say, no, God, it's about a dialogue. Lord, I'm listening to you because when I listen to you, it changes everything. I love how James said, when you are come to the end of yourself, when you don't know what to do, ask God for wisdom. I think sometimes when I come to God, the first thing I do is just relieve me of this, Lord. Relieve me of that. Take that away, God. Take that away. Take God says, no, James says the better question is ask Him for wisdom. You know why? Because when you ask, you will listen. And when you listen, you'll see how God sees. And when you see how God sees, it'll change your life. I'm not just asking just from relief because that's me asking something. No, I'm saying, God, I need your wisdom because when I see like you see, it changes everything. It's not about a monologue. It's about a dialogue. He doesn't just invade, invite him in today. And then lastly, I love this. The last one is this. Prayer is not a wish list. It's a weapon. It's a weapon. You know, the Bible says the prayer of a righteous man, not a perfect man, not a I've got all together man. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We are righteous 
in right standing with God because of what Jesus did for you and I. He declares you righteous and so being, my prayer has great power. There is a weapon that I can use, a weapon to change my future, a weapon to bind what the devil has set out for us to do and to loose God's love over our lives. He said, you, you have been given all authority. And the language he uses is you've been given the authority. He says, loose and bind. Whatever is loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. Whatever is bound on earth is bound in heaven. In other words, you and I have the power within our means as a weapon to say, I bind confusion in my home and I loose clarity in the name of Jesus. I bind hatred and I loose love over my family. I bind unforgiveness and I loose forgiveness over my family. I bind conflict and I loose God's peace over my family. I loose it over my community. I loose it over South Africa. I loose it over the nations of the world. That's the power of prayer. It's not a wish list, it's a weapon in His hands. Paul says, this is how you build up hope. When we come before God and we say, God, I invite you in, I need your wisdom, but thank you for the power you've given me to change what I never thought could happen. You know what's so encouraging? Because when we pray with hope in our hearts, we can change our future. He might not be able to change your broken past, but today and forever, He can change our future because of the prayers we pray. You know what? Prayer is not about the volume we give to our words or the veracity of our words. It's who's praying with us. It's who is beside us. It's who is for us. And He's here today. As we close this morning, I love this scripture as we close on hope. Romans 15 verse 13, it says, Now the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace for those who trust Him, so that you may have hope that overflows by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that. God says, I am the God of hope. I am the God of hope who gives you joy and peace to trust Jesus. I believe the God of hope is here today. The God of hope is the one who went and did what we could never do. He went up on the cross of Calvary. Hope went up. Hope achieved what we could never achieve. Hope didn't wait for us to get victory. He got victory for you and I. Hope died for us so that we might have new life and resurrected life. It said death came, but we triggered life. He triggered life in you and I so that we may experience His love and His grace and His mercy. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.